It is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Up and down the Wasatch Front, the weather, well, it looks pretty nice outside, but weather's supposed to be coming in tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. But, Alex, what's up, my friend? You know, I'm all uh, loaded up on caffeine for the day and uh, ready to get rolling. Let's do this. All right, I like it. So I'm Jake. That's Alex. We actually go by probably our pseudonyms, Yawk, Lundy. We'll just go with that, Yawk and Lundy. I kind of like that, actually. It works pretty good. But we are your co-host tandem taking you through this afternoon up through 2 o'clock talking a lot of sports. And I think the biggest story is really clearly straight up front. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, everybody's wondering about the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Thanks, right. straight. We'll get to that. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the Utah Jazz finally have their opponent. Uh, we know who it is. Mm-hmm. They're playing the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow uh, Tomorrow night in Game 1 of the, uh, of the playoffs. Okay, so let's start here. Last night's game. Memphis goes to Golden State. It's, of course, it's the win or go home because you get the 8th mm-hmm. seed and you have the chance to play Utah. What were your takeaways from that game initially? You know, my main takeaway is that this the play-in is here to stay. Oh. That was awesome. Yeah. That was incredibly fun. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought for sure that with two minutes left, Memphis lost the game by not challenging the foul call on that three-pointer. I like Right then and there, I was like, book it, this is the moment that it's all over. Like, they had the lead, they were, you know, they were playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then a very obvious kick out and held on to it because they had, what, two timeouts left and they didn't want to use them just in case and they ended up not using them anyway. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Jenkins nearly cost his team a chance to advance and his team bailed him out. Let's be mm-hmm. clear about that, but I'm with you. To not challenge that call when you yeah you have two timeouts in your back pocket, that is, and as David Locke put out there, and I, I said something similar, that is what the challenge is implemented for, that type of a call. That's when you challenge. And for some reason, he doesn't go for it. Yeah. If not then, when? Yeah. Like, it, it's it, it's exactly that. And, and especially when you're playing Steph Curry, right? This You can't ever give Steph any room because he can sink a three from anywhere on the court mm-hmm. without even really thinking too much about it. They, they let him back in. I think that those free throws tied the game or brought it within two. I don't remember exactly right off the top of my head. It was a one-point game, if not tied. Yeah, it was something where it was uncomfortably close if you're a Grizzlies fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, Taylor Jenkins, you know, he needs to be thanking Ja Morant <laughs> and the rest of the team because they did everything that they could have possibly been asked of and more to keep that thing, you know, to keep that their season rolling. Yeah, that's the simple truth of the matter. Is they they went on the road, and they were the only team, by the way, in the in this whole playing tournament, the only road team to win a game. So you tip the cap to Memphis. They looked like the team who was more hungry. And I, I'm not going to say that Golden State didn't want to win, but I thought last night was just evidence of what Steph Curry has done all year long. He has dragged a team of essential nobodies. I know Draymond's a name. I know that Andrew Wiggins has got a little bit of a rep, but let's be honest. Look at that Warriors roster and tell me that that is the Warriors that you have known and loved for the better part of a decade. Oh, it's it's not even close. You know, and so yeah, like exactly what you said. He he dragged them kicking and screaming, you know, <laughs> sometimes literally in Draymond's case. Yeah. But he 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 dragged them to the play-in. Yeah, well, that's the thing about it, and, I, and you can, 
you can look at that Warriors team and say, okay, well, if they had Klay Thompson, they'd be better. Sure, they would be. But I know that LeBron James earlier on in the week when they were getting ready for their matchup for the seventh seed on it was a Wednesday night. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. He he was like, well. Steph Curry should be the MVP. Well, last night's the evidence of why he should be considered. He's one of the finalists, obviously. Right. We'll, we'll talk about the finalists here in a minute with the Utah Jazz being well represented. But the the fact that he was a finalist for the award, well, last night is just like the microcosm of why. Because he took that team and dragged them as far as he possibly could. They ran into a team. Memphis, I don't know if they're... Uh, overly uh, talented, but they have a lot of guys who know exactly what they're supposed to do. And their team dynamic, I think, pulled them through in the end over Golden State. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, give credit to Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. His defense on Steph Curry was he's, great. You know, He's a bulldog. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, you know, I, I still remember and have flashbacks. Every time I see him, I, I instantly flash back to the the flop of all time against Utah when he played for Oregon, uh, but I mean the guy just impressed me. Mm-hmm. You know, Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer for his offensive game. Sure, he's rev- he's revolutionized the NBA. Absolutely, no yeah. he he, he single handedly changed it. He's the greatest shooter in the history of the game. Yes, and you're never gonna make him a non factor, but Dylan Brooks absolutely did anything you could ask anybody to ever do in containing Steph Curry and allowing the rest of the team to, to keep up and to push ahead. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's you, And I know you said that Dylan Brooks, he, he, he did what he was supposed to do. You're, like you said, you're not going to hold Steph down. 39 points, and there were moments in this game it looked like Steph was like, okay, this game's over, I'm finishing this thing. But to Memphis, in, in, that, in the singular case, it's Dylan Brooks' credit, he went out there and just was able to stifle Steph enough mm-hmm. to allow his team to survive. And one other note on this, and we'll turn our attention to talking about tomorrow night's game here in just a moment with the Utah Jazz facing Memphis. Did we see Ja Morant uh, finally take the next step towards superstardom in that game? Boy, it looked like it. He had some very clutch plays right down there at the end. You know, I mean, he when Taylor Jenkins kind of abandoned them. <laughs> John Morant put them on his back and, and carried them to the promised <laughs> land. Japan, mid-game. I, good luck, guys. Have fun out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, because honestly, like, there's no other way that I can view that yeah. just refusal to call that challenge. And so that's, to me, you know, that was as close to abandonment as you can actually, you know, I mean, there are coaches that get technical fouls and ejections mm-hmm. that are more there for their teams than Taylor Jenkins was in that moment. A little bit, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But congratulations to the Memphis Grizzlies and their reward. Well, you hop on a quick flight from the Bay Area and you come straight to Salt Lake City for a matchup tomorrow night here at Vivint Arena. I think this is going to be an interesting series because there is a... And I know that uh, we, we're talking about Mike Conley here in a minute because he's facing mm-hmm. his old team. But there's the whole old grit and grind, grind city, the whole Memphis... Grizzlies persona that they had with Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, and Marcus Saul. Well, this Memphis team, I think, has actually kind of created a new era of that in a way with what they showed coming into this matchup. I think the Utah Jazz are going to catch a very tired Memphis team, at least in Game 1 tomorrow night, because they've had to drag themselves into the playoffs here, and they're probably going to be empty on in terms of their gas tank at that point. But I think as they get their legs back underneath them, because we all know the NBA playoffs, the first round, what is it? We go we go Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday? Is that the first round? Uh, I think games? it's 
Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Okay, so yeah, okay, so at least over the first week, Memphis seemed to be able to rest up a little bit here, and they're going to be. But I think game one tomorrow night. This is a very, very important, I think, tone-setting game for the Utah Jazz because, as we saw last night, Golden State they have one of the best players in the league, and Memphis just as a team overcame all that. Just right off the top here, Alex. I believe that the Utah Jazz are far more talented and far better as a team than Memphis, but Memphis has this will to win that we saw last night that I think is going to make them a tough out here in this first series. Right, yeah, exactly. And like you know, like we had said before, Steph Curry got 39 last night, mm-hmm. but he worked so hard <laughs> for that. Like this wasn't one of those games where he just goes off and you know, and he's he's not even watching his threes go in because he already knows when he lets it go. He had to work, and that's exactly what the Jazz are going to have to do. They, they might get the biggest break in air quotes against sure. you know the Grizzlies tomorrow night just because they are so tired coming off of you know they played short. two games and the the, the run up to the playoffs alone mm-hmm. has worn teams out and these teams that played in the play in game to have another week where you have to play two games and you've got to win or go home mm-hmm. it's a lot of strain yeah so it, it it's going to take its toll physically and mentally mm-hmm. but after that game you know they get a couple games to rest kind of refocus the Jazz are going to really get pushed. They're going to get, you know, I, I think that the Jazz are going to win this. And I think that, you know, my prediction, my gut feeling is they're going to win it in five. Okay. But it's going to feel like a lot more than that. So you're going gentleman sweep, but they're going to have to earn every bit of it is what yeah. you're saying. I think that the closest thing we'll see to a blowout will be game one. I don't think it will be a blowout. But, man, they're going to have to work every game after that. They're probably going to drop one. And they're going to feel like they played a seven-game series after after winning in five. I, and see, that's the thing. Last night, I, I actually got a text from a buddy of mine who lives in Arizona. And he's become this pseudo Suns fan. He's not a diehard by any means, but he's kind of latched on to him as they've kind of been doing things this year. And I got a text from him last night as this game was going down to the wire, and he and he's like, "Well, hey, you guys got a big break taking on Memphis." My text back to him was like, "Not really, dude." And I get on paper. Phoenix is the two seed facing off against the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, how many two seeds are perceived as an underdog in their right. series against the defending champions who happen to be a seven seed? I, and I get that. On paper, the disparity between these two series, speaking of Utah, Memphis versus Lakers, Suns, it's very apparent. But I, I, I've got this feeling that Memphis, they've got just this, this hunger that they're going to go out there and they're going to get after the Jazz. And Utah's going to have to earn every bit of this series. Yeah, no, it's... It like the, I mean, it's the playoffs, right? Yeah. There's never an easy moment. No, <laughs> and that that includes this, right? You know, the Jazz are the one seed; they're sure. playing the eight seed, yeah. But you know, this isn't like the NCAA tournament where if you're a one seed, you know, you basically get just a, a scrimmage before your your next round. A scrimmage. Like this is this the, the Jazz have to be ready. They have to be ready to go, and if they if they blink. They're going to find themselves backed into a corner. That and that's the thing about it. You can't go out and just think we're going to breeze through this. And I know that the Utah Jazz are three and zero against the Grizzlies this year in in season. And one of the games that we uh, that we saw Donovan Mitchell did not play. It was down the stretch when he was sitting right. out with the ankle. So Mike Conley went had a really big game in that against his former team. So the Jazz are three and zero. So they should be confident going into this. But if you look at the three games. 
Utah had to earn those games. Like Memphis, they just they have a style. They I think they understand who they are. Because right. this is a team, and I'm 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 speaking just just my personal opinion on this is that John Moran is on his way to superstardom. Mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas is one of the biggest bruising bigs in the NBA today. He just makes life miserable, and he'll make Rudy Gobert earn every inch of what he earns in this series because of just the way he plays the game. Then you have a Dylan Brooks. You have Xavier Tillman last night. Wow. He played Jaron Jackson, who is a lottery pick, off the floor and said, no, you go sit on the bench over there. I'm going to carry this team alongside John Morant. And big three down the stretch. I don't think that Memphis is necessarily um, at where they're going to be maybe in a year or two, but they are a very, very good team, and they very much are going to make Utah uh, get right into it. And that's the thing. I think I think there's some Jazz fans out there. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex. You, you have better perception on this because I know you work on the Jazz games as the executive producer with David Locke. I think there are Jazz fans who have a concern that Donovan Mitchell did not play down the stretch run of the season with that ankle, and we'll let you hear from him later on in today's show. He spoke to the media earlier this week and kind of led on that the ankle injury maybe was a little more serious than originally reported to be, but I think there are Jazz fans who are wary that the Utah Jazz did not have their full complement of guys playing together, and their first game together with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup, we expect, to put that clarifier on it, is tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Give me your uh, reaction to that. What What do you think? Do you think Jazz fans are, are right to be concerned about that, or do you think the Jazz are going to come out and say, you know what, we've had a week off, we got our legs underneath us, let's get after it? You know, I think that, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss any concerns about, you know, chemistry they haven't played for a while. Like, I think those are valid concerns, but I, I, I also don't think that it that will really come into play. Okay. Um, I mean, we saw the Jazz get that chemistry early in the season. Sure. With all of these guys healthy, they were playing at a very high level, and they've had time to practice this week uh, where they've been able to go out there, kind of get reacquainted with each other on the floor. And so I think that they're going to be ready. That's my belief. That's my gut instinct is that, yes, Donovan will play and that we're going to see a version of the Jazz that's more similar to what we saw in the first part of the season when they were really just rolling, when they had those big win streaks going. I think we're going to see that tomorrow night, especially with how tired the Grizzlies are. <laughs> they, and so You'd hope so. It's going to feel, you know, I, I think that there might be almost a false sense of security after tomorrow night's game. Okay. Where people are going to say, oh, this is going to be a breeze. We're going to, you know. We're going to roll th- these guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that you know, it'll it'll be good. It'll settle a lot of concerns before the remainder of the series when the Grizzlies come back and and show who they are. Like you said, you know, that very gritty, very tough, very physical team mm-hmm. where they they come out, they lock people down, and they make you work. I mean, even you know, Grayson Allen last night against the Warriors, you know, hit some clutch threes. Well, yeah, those back to back threes were absolutely massive for and, that team. You know, Grayson is known for being a physical player, both. Uh, in the ways that you expect, in the ways that a lot of people maybe don't appreciate. Maybe toe or cross the line. Yeah, you know, he's a... Uh, you, you have to watch your step around him. Sure. And yes. so... Well done. What Nice nice reference. I like it. Yeah, it's... So he's... Yeah, I, I think that him... The combination... That Grizzlies team... I mean, we... I don't, I don't know what more we could say about it where it's just... The Jazz are going to have to work outside of maybe game one. 
Yeah, and I see. I, I look forward to this series. I love the playoffs. This is my favorite thing. Like I can. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, during the middle part of the, most of the NBA season, watching Eastern Conference regular season games to me holds no interest whatsoever. Right. I just, I can't do it. All of a sudden, hey, the playoffs are here. I'm in. If it's, or, and this is this is a hypothetical, if it's Orlando versus Cleveland, I'm watching it. It's just, it, playoff intensity in the NBA, there's nothing like it. And that's just probably due to the fact that you and I were of a similar age. We grew up in an era where John Stockton and Carl Malone went to the playoffs every year. And you just knew during the spring season, I know this year is still a little bit different. We're almost into summer and we're finally starting the playoffs. But there was just that feeling of, okay, now it really counts for something. And then you're just locked in, watching every second, trying to get a uh, sense of what's going on. I'm listening to more and more podcasts that are NBA-centric than I do all year long, just trying to get a read on things. That's what I love about this time of year. And I love that the Utah Jazz, they're on top of the NBA. Best record in the NBA, number one seed in, in the West. But man, at the outset of these playoffs right now, there's just kind of a little bit of an uneasy feeling saying, okay, I need to see the Jazz actually play to kind of put my heart at ease. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Like, I love this time of year. Even the people that don't follow the Jazz closely, like oh, yeah. you and I do, like you know, I remember being at that point, and the Jazz would make the playoffs, and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it in just the atmosphere around town, anywhere you know along the Wasatch Front. There's just a different energy in the state because it's it's that big of a deal. It, it has that kind of impact on the people that live here, and it's just so much fun. So I, I can't wait to get this started, especially with the season that the Jazz have had and all of the potential. And, I, you know, I, one of the things that I like to say is, you know, potential doesn't equal promise. <laughs> Good, I like that. So, you yeah. know, we, we, we have to wait and see what this Jazz team can accomplish. But, I mean, we've seen flashes and we've seen things that show us that the sky's the limit with this team. And that all starts tomorrow. Okay, one note I want to get to, and we'll get we'll we'll be obviously talking about this throughout the show. We'll we'll talk plenty about this. One other thing I want to talk about with the potential return of Donovan Mitchell tomorrow night. He said that the hope is that he will be out there, and fingers crossed because I've been waiting to see him back on the court since he injured the ankle. Honestly, because he's just one of the most thrilling young players in this league. Is the so Mike Conley missed nine games, if I recall correctly, with the hamstring tightness. He came back for the final two regular season games of the year, and to me, and I know you watch this because you're you're producing the games, so you're listening to Locke, all, all this stuff. You listen to Ron Boone. It felt like to me that Mike Conley came off that hamstring tightness and essentially needed no time to just jump right back in. I think it kind of goes back, goes back to your point earlier on in the segment of saying, okay, this Utah Jazz team, earlier on in the year, it didn't seem like they missed a beat at all. They just kind of just, they just rolled. They put up these, what, two nine-win two nine game win streaks in an 11-game, if I recall correctly? Yeah, and I, I think that they had, you know, it was, yeah, it was something like that where in, I know there was a stretch where it was like, in 22 games, they won 20 or 21 yeah, of them. Just insane. So it's my hope, and this is just me looking ahead to tomorrow night, is that we see Donovan Mitchell do exactly what Mike Conley do and essentially step right back in. It's not like he even missed. He missed uh, 16 games down the stretch. And he steps right back in just like Mike Conley and doesn't miss a beat. That is my hope that we see because I think the Utah Jazz, they're so cohesive as a unit. What they learned from the bubble they carried into this season, it really carried them to the early part of the year when other teams were figuring things out. I'm hopeful that Donovan Mitchell, now that he's good to go and everything based on what we're hearing going into tomorrow night, is that he is going to be able to play. It's my hope that he does what Mike Conley did and just essentially step right back into the lineup and say, I'm back, guys. Let's go do our thing. 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Conley had said right, you know, prior to coming back where he just said, look, the only way to finish the recovery and to get game ready is to play in a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he said, this isn't something that you can do in practice. You can't take that final step in practice and then be ready. And I think he did a great job of that. I think, you know, the same thing is going to hold true for Donovan. He's got to get back out there to really complete that. And like you said, you know, when he addressed the media, which we'll get to later, um, you know, he did mention that, uh, you know, it it was more serious than a lot of us were led to believe, which is, you know, kind of goes back to something that you said last week where this team has been really locked down with information. Like, and that goes from the front office down. This is mm-hmm. this is very much a, Dennis Lindsay. He wants to, and it's not it's not a bad thing. He just he just wants to make sure that no superfluous information that can injure or harm the Jazz in any way gets out there. And I I, I completely get why they do it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know, yeah, and so I mean, like last week I had said, you know, oh, I think that this is Donovan. You know, like they're they're holding him out just to see who they get. You know, <laughs> they're gonna see if they. No, it turns out that I was completely wrong because Donovan. You know, not that I didn't think that he was injured, because I mean, ankles are tough, right? Sure. Well, it's a very critical part of playing basketball. So much movement and everything. Right. Yeah. You know, you hurt one of those. That it. I mean, you know, anybody that has rolled their ankle knows it lingers. It. Yeah. It's. It's something. And so, you know, I thought that it was serious, but I didn't think it was as serious as maybe Donovan has now started to hint that it was. And I don't think you're alone in that. There are a lot of people who I who. Trust me, I talked to her and like, dude, they're just resting him. Yeah. They're just resting him. Right. Well, I think his comments indicated, no, he needed the time. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense to thinking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but Donovan's the kind of competitor that I don't know that he would necessarily allow them to rest him. Sure. You know, where it, like if he was able to go, I think he would have gone. Now, it's easy to say that with all of the information that we have now, <laughs> because I obviously wasn't saying that before, but you know. You learn, you take new evidence, you, you reform your opinions. That's what I'm doing here. I think that Donovan is ready to go. He, I mean, it, it sounds like it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the, the team's trainers feel about it. Sure. Uh, but I think that we're going we're gonna to see Donovan come out with a lot of energy. He's, I think he's going to come out with feeling like he has something to prove because he's been sitting out. And, you know, we've, we've seen a lot this year. One of the things that I've noticed is in a lot of the post-game press conferences, a lot of the players, uh, Rudy especially is mm-hmm. one that does it, but Donovan's done it. A lot of the players have kind of made it a point to always say something about taking it to the next level. Sure, uh, you know I think they have their chip on that uh, that chip on their shoulder, and I think Donovan is ready to come out and say, "Okay, it's playoff time. We're taking this to the le- next level right now." Well, he was very clear after last year's playoff failure. You're up 3-1 there in the bubble, and to lose to the Nuggets in the fashion that they did, I think it devastated him. And he made it very clear, we're done losing in the first round. He said that. He said as much. It's on the record. Mm -hmm. And I think that that quote-unquote going to the next level, I think that's him saying, okay, I know what I said last year. And we cannot repeat that. Obviously, you're the number one seed. You're favored. They're, they're, the stakes are higher this year than they were a year ago down in the bubble. It's very, very clear on that front. And it's crazy to say a year ago because it's, what is it, 
six months in the bed. <laughs> I don't, it's not even it's more than six, but it just feels like it was yesterday that we were in the bubble. But nonetheless, I'm looking forward to. It. We'll continue to break this down throughout today's show. We'll let you hear from Donovan speaking to the media. You'll be able to kind of glean for yourself if you haven't heard it already what he had to say to the media, what he was, his thoughts on his return. The recovery process, what he's seen from the Jazz, he's been sitting out, because we've seen him. He's been sitting courtside for most of those games outside of the last road trip of the season. I think it was the only trip he didn't make or only games he was not in attendance at. So let you hear from him. Coming up next, though, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We do need to go up on the hill to Utah. They are bringing in a lot of talent, and I mean a lot of talent from the transfer portal. Let's dig into that next. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Yock and Lundy right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lobbed to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with a right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Hope you all are doing great here on this Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front. That's Lundy. I'm Yawk, a.k.a. Alex and Jake. We are your co-host tandem taking you through the Saturday afternoon on the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM. By the way, if you guys want to be a part of the show, feel free to tweet in or even actually even better, use the app. We have an app, the Zone app. You can find it in your app store. We have what we call the open mic feature. It allows you to send 15 seconds of audio, your take on whatever we're talking about. We're going to be talking about Utah football here in a moment. You have thoughts on the Utah Jazz tomorrow night. Whatever it might be, send them in. Lundy, where can they find you on social media? Uh, I'm at 247Lundy on Twitter. Real simple to find. 247Lundy. You can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. And you know what? We need to create uh, some social media for this show. So we'll work on that as well. We'll see what we can do, maybe an Instagram page. or something. We'll, we'll work on that. That's for down the road. But thanks for you guys' interaction in, the, I guess, in the future. I guess we'll say that right up front. I appreciate yeah. you guys weighing in with us. We love the support we've had. When we announced the show last week, we were coming back. I got all kinds of messages. Yes, we're back. It's, it's great to hear. Well, you know what? We're excited to be back. That's yeah. the fun part about this. Yeah, no, it's been a blast. You know, I mean, last week... As I said multiple times, it was my maiden voyage. First time on this side of the glass. Let's put it this way. any of these kinds of things. You got rave reviews from certain people I talked to. So, Well, those people probably must not have listened very long, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they tuned in and that they, uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people reach out and, you know, a few of them that didn't know that I was even in the industry that reached out and said, hold on, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I heard you on the radio. That was weird. <laughs> Well, nonetheless, I think you did a great job, but we're continuing on here. Let's talk a little bit about Utah football, Lundy. And I got to say, just right off the top here, this past week for the University of Utah football program, been very, very successful, very fruitful when it comes to the transfer portal. Man, you know what? Like, this is not something that I expected when, you know, they, when the, when the transfer portal was created. Sure. You know, this is something that obviously we knew would happen, but. You'd think that, I mean, I didn't expect to see it quite at this level in this state. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have talked about it as, you know, oh, it's going to create free agency. And I know that some people view that as a bad thing. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it's super fun. 
And this past week has been part of that, where it's we've really seen how teams can utilize it. And man, Utah has really, I mean, they've said as much where, you know, they're going to be in the transfer portal for success. They're going to make a good use of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle Whittingham at the beginning of spring, you know, he when he was talking about the quarterback situation. Sure. I remember him saying that they're looking at who's going to help them win this year, mm-hmm. which is slightly different than what he usually says. Like, but it, it still to me came across as coach speak of just like, well, obviously, yeah. You know, like usually it's just it's more of a we're gonna do what's best for the team. And I, I did I, I do remember kind of hearing him say that and, you know, cocking my head a little bit and saying, huh, like, it's not the usual verbiage that he uses, but, yeah. you know, it's it's probably still the same intent. But we've, we've seen very clearly through this week's events that Utah is going all in this season to win right now. I, I think that's very, very clear right now that they, they see an opportunity and my history with Kyle Whittingham is when he starts to speak like you're talking about, you know he sees something and feels something. And he's got the track record that proves it. You right. can go back just as far as 2008. Like He was talking lead up to that season that we've got a very good team here. He was very explicit about it. And there were multiple times during their run here in the Pac-12 that he has also expressed that that sincere belief in his team. And there are times it hasn't worked out. I think that we can all go back through those if we want to. But the moves they're making, you mentioned the fact they went to the transfer portal for the quarterback. Charlie Brewer comes in from Baylor. They had Chris Curry and TJ Pledger as running backs, who by all accounts so far have fit in nicely with mm-hmm. what they've got going. Mackay Bernard up there as well. Uh, but now, this past week, they go out and have three guys. Two guys from the University of Washington, so two guys coming from inside the conference. Brandon McKinney and Josh Calvert both coming over from Washington. And then Theo Howard, who... Played at Oklahoma last year, but he spent the majority of his career in, at UCLA. So he's also a fellow Pac-12 guy. Lundy, looking at this, all of these guys they've brought in have all been former four-star athletes. There is a lot of talent all of a sudden calling Salt Lake City home. I'm with you. I think Utah is all in on this season. I think Kyle Whittingham smells blood in the water, to use that to use that adage. And he wants to go after it. And the moves they're making, because... Yes, the transfer portal has created a form of free agency in college sports, but I think he understands there's an advantage to this, and he is chasing it with everything he's got. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think another thing that's really important, like you said, you know, they're all former four-star athletes. Yeah. But on top of that, every single one of them has meaningful experience playing at a P5 level. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that sometimes that can be overlooked. You know, I mean, because... You know, look at look at BYU last year, right? They didn't have a lot of guys that necessarily played against Power Five competition, but I would still say that a lot of those guys were talented. Just look at you know how many got picked up. You know, they're getting looks at the next level. They'd spent three years working together. That's right. the one thing BYU benefited from last year was three legitimately three straight years of having the same system, essentially the same players. There's very little roster turnover. It was a very young team in 2018 that grew mm-hmm. up together. And I think you're right. In 2020, they benefited from that because. 12 guys <clears throat> 12 guys got opportunities at the next level off mm-hmm. of that squad. Right. And so like while P- while Power 5 competition isn't everything, I st- I do think it's a significant data point. It's the highest point, it's the highest level of football right. in the college game. Right. Yeah. And so there's guys that they're it's not just that they've produced high numbers, they've done so at the highest level. You know, and not all of them maybe, you know, I mean Theo Howard 
didn't maybe have a, a breakout season at OU last year, right? He's coming you know, off but, an Achilles tear, so right. let's give him a little bit of a break. Right. But, you know, it's not like, okay, these are these are world beaters, you know, but at the same time, Chris Curry played on 2019 LSU, averaged a little over four yards a carry, I think. Yeah, and he had That's, a certain quarterback advocating for him to play more. Yeah, so. and so, you know, like, it, it's not like these are guys that are... These aren't the kind of transfers that prior to this week I would have expected Utah to get in bulk. Sure. And yet here we are where they have gotten them in bulk. Um, you know, they've they've addressed very specific needs uh, on defense. It, I mean, a wide receiver transfer Utah really needed this year, I feel like. Well, you know, Kyle told DJ and PK as such. He said that we're going to go into the portal. We're trying to find at least one, possibly two wide receiver transfers to bolster what they have up on the hill. They needed to find guys. So yeah. Theo Howard is number one, and there may be a second one at some point. We don't know. But yeah, he was very clear they needed to upgrade that position group. Yeah. And Utah has had success with, with receiver transfers in the past. Look at Darren Carrington. I mean, he was monumental when he was here you yeah. know i mean he was the guy mm-hmm. and you know utah lost two of their top producers at that position to the transfer portal you know transfer portal giveth the transfer portal taketh away uh and so it was like you said it's it was instrumental it was monumental that they it was essential that yeah. they go to this and and find at least one guy they have it'll be interesting to see if they continue but i mean it's so yeah, I, I I can't I I can't just give enough props to Utah for what they've done because it it exceeded anything that I possibly could have expected. Um, out of these transfers that Utah has gotten so far, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to make the biggest impact this season? So that's actually a very interesting question because. Brandon McKinney, so he's a six foot, two hundred pound safety coming over from Washington. If you look at his career production for Washington, it's not very much. Forty tackles, one pass breakup, one tackle for loss, and one forced fumble in four years. Primarily playing kind of a, a backup and special teams role for for UW. He wants to have a good finish to his career. He wants to get a look at the next level, and I think when he probably was looking around, he probably looked at Utah's roster, saw the news about R.J. Hubert being out. They obviously lose Nate Ritchie to an LDS mission. He goes mm-hmm. out on the mission field, and he's saying, okay, well, they have Vontae Davis, who is going to be the lead guy. Why can't I step in right there and get my opportunity to play for one of the best defenses? I know that Washington's a very good defense, but let's be honest, Utah just pumps out talent in the defensive backfield in particular, right. year in and year out, he's got to have sat there and said, okay, this is a big opportunity for me. I think he comes in, and I would probably automatically pencil him on the two deep at safety, if not as a starting guy alongside Vontae Davis the second he shows up in Salt Lake City. Right, 100% agree. And, you know, Brandon McKinney, he has that capability where he, he can play both safety positions. Sure. He's got, you know, that, that size, that speed. He's got... He's got the right tool set mm-hmm. where he feels very much like a plug-and-play type of player in Kyle Whittingham's system. And he's got one year to play. So right. he's obviously... he's. This isn't a situation... We'll talk about Josh Calvert in a minute where he's got a little more time on his side. This is... McKinney's like... He sees the writing on the wall. If I want to continue my playing career, i got to put up some stats, get on the NFL radar of these teams... I think he sees this as I'm stepping in, and it is my assumption I'm going to start, and I'm going to go out and have a monster senior season. Right. And he wouldn't be the first guy that got one 
one year to start in Kyle Whittingham's defense yeah. that got to look at the next level. Sure. You know, there have been guys in the past that have spent a few years behind other because, I mean, look at the defensive line. It happens every year. Right. <laughs> the defensive line, uh, there was, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was a few years ago. Um, I want to say it was a corner that had been just kind of oh. on the two deep the whole time, got one, one year starting, and I'm, I'm, I know who you're talking I'm about. I'm so upset that I can't think of his name right now. But yeah, you know, he was just always on the two deep. He's got a, his shot his senior yeah. season and then got yeah, a look, in, got a look. In, in the league. Yeah. I think there's a reputation with Utah's defense. The NFL scouts, when they look at Utah's roster, they see you in the two deep at minimum. If they see you as a starter, they're like, all right, you got to go pull up that guy's film and look at it. Because Kyle Whittingham, he has proven that these guys that play for him on defense, they're going to be NFL caliber guys. They're going to work hard. They're going to be have that skill set that you want to see at the next level. And I think Brandon McKinney sees that opportunity staring him in the face. Also on defense here is Josh Calvert. Uh, he was a guy very highly thought of coming out of high school from Oaks Christian High School down there in Southern California. Went to UW, was a guy, and I remember hearing about this kid in the recruiting world and hearing that he, the second he stepped on campus up there for the dogs was going to be a guy who entered the two deep. Well, as, it's, as it came that he actually tore his ACL the final week of fall camp in 2019, and that injury essentially has knocked out the past two seasons. He didn't play at all in 2020. We all know that that season was so screwed up as it was. <laughs> like last year, just man, I know that BYU had a full season, but very few teams had the same type of year that they had. Right. He has missed the majority of two seasons, but the potential is still there. And he is the older brother of Ethan Calvert, who just signed with Utah in the last recruiting cycle. One of the, I actually, I think, believe he's the highest rated linebacker signee that Utah's ever had. The Calvert brothers got a lot of talent. Their father played for the University of Utah. This is a kid who's only a sophomore. He's got more time on his side. I think this is a low, like kind of that low floor, potential high ceiling pickup for Utah, especially with his connections to the program. Oh, absolutely. You know, and like linebacker's not an immediate need for Utah. They, they're they no. very well set there. I had people ask me, why are they picking up linebackers? Well, well because, you know, Devin Lloyd is gone after this season. Probably. (laughs) Nephi Sewell is going to be aging now, and he can play a hybrid role a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, you need to have the depth. So this this is a move mostly for the future, Mm -hmm. but also, like you said, you know, shore up that depth, get ready, you know, just get that extra security built in there. Because, yes, Utah's set right now at the linebacker position. Especially in the 4-2-5 that they run. Right. They don't run a traditional 4-3 anymore. Right. Yeah, it's you know it's preparing for the future. You know, to borrow a phrase that Kyle Whittingham says a lot, there's never hay in the barn. <laughs> Good you know, point. They're, they're building up for that future. They're getting ready in case that next man needs to be up. And you know, it's it's a smart move to to go out and get somebody that talented, get them plugged into your program, start making the Calvert name. You know, one of the regulars yeah. because there are a lot of those legacy players that Utah really banks on. You know, and so it'll be. It would be great to see Calvert as a as a recurring name, along with like you know the Bartons and the Lotuleles. Be great. There's no doubt about it. Those legacy families absolutely are a big thing. Uh, one final note here. I want to talk about Theo Howard for a minute. As I mentioned earlier on, he was a guy who played at UCLA. I believe let's see, 100, 119 receptions, one thousand three hundred fifty nine yards, and nine touchdowns during his time with the Bruins down there in Westwood. 
He did suffer a torn Achilles. Went to Oklahoma last year looking to really kind of establish himself. And I don't blame him for going to Oklahoma. Let's right. be clear. It's, it's a high-flying offense. Yeah. <laughs> Had a pretty pedestrian year, though. 13 receptions, 163 yards at OU. Went looking for another program. And I think similar to what we talked about with Brandon McKinney, just barely, Lundy, I think he sees an opportunity here, especially with how uh, empty the wide receiver position group appears to be on paper for Utah. Yeah. You know, and I know that some people have questioned, you know, why would a receiver or a quarterback ever go to Utah? What? You've been paying attention to social media all week? Yeah, Yeah, it's weird, right? (laughs) But, like, a lot of people have that question, and I honestly think that, you know, sure, like, Utah has struggled traditionally, but that also for the right kind of guy and the kind of guy that Kyle Whittingham Mm -hmm. is going after, those guys see that struggle as opportunity. Sure. You know, they want to get to the next level. What better way than to go somewhere that historically struggles at that position and change it? Yeah. If you can be the guy that changes that to produce at a place that doesn't produce, you best believe that people at the next level are going to take notice. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I think that it's very much you're, you're, you're looking, if you're Theo Howard, you're looking for an opportunity where, okay, plentiful reps, a quarterback who can sling in. I think that everything we've heard about Charlie Brewer has been oh, that yeah. dude can throw. And we saw it at Baylor, obviously. Right. He, he can get the ball down the field. you got to be looking at this. I know that there are many detractors out there for Utah, some fans here just in this state who would tell you, well, quarterbacks and wide receivers should avoid Utah at all costs. I'm with you, though. I think that's the perfect analogy for it is why not go to a place and be able to flip the script on its head, show that, you know what, we can succeed here. Quarterback can thrive here. Wide receiver can thrive here. And then, you know what, get your opportunity because you went somewhere where the reputation is that you can succeed and you succeeded anyways. Right. So, you know, it's it's something that happens – I think everywhere where there's positions that, you know, traditionally struggle. And that's how you turn it around. That's how you change that culture is you get one of those kinds of guys and they succeed. And suddenly it's, it's just, you know, they, they, they set the standard and other guys want to follow. Um, I do think that like you had mentioned, I think that Charlie Brewer's recruitment likely played a big role in that because, you know, they both are coming from the big 12. Sure. And so Theo Howard's not unfamiliar with him. Yeah. You know, he watched him. And Theo's also familiar with Utah from his time at UCLA. Right. So it worked out that way. Yeah. So he, he looks at it and says, okay, this is a team where, you know, the defense is, the defense is Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be set. We're going to win a lot of games just based on that alone. Here's this quarterback that I watched torch defenses. Yeah. Where, I mean, you know, it's the Big 12. Defenses are kind of a formality. Defense is optional. We're all, we're all aware. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of 11 warm bodies out on the field. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, he's watched this guy that obviously has talent. Mm-hmm. And so he's got to be looking at it and saying, if he's not the starter, that means that there's somebody who's better than him. Sure. So why not go where you can have somebody that talented slinging the ball, you know, just getting you some good film. And where you feel like you can really contribute in a meaningful way. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I really like what Utah's doing in the transfer portal. And who knows? They may just continue to just load up on guys. The nice part is that there's a lot of talent, it looks like, at least on paper, that's going to mm-hmm. come in. And, and I'm with you. Our, kind of our original point here, Kyle Whittingham's going all in. Yeah. He, see, he sees something in this in this squad, and he believes in them, and he's going to go after it this year. And for good reason. Why not? Go after it. Because we all know Kyle Whittingham, he's getting towards the end of his tenure at Utah, he wants to go to the Rose Bowl. He wants to win the Pac-12. Well, if you see an opportunity, you can't let it slip you by. 
yeah, no, I think that, you know, I think he recognizes the writing on the wall that, like you said, you know, his his time's coming to an end and he wants, Kyle Whittingham is a competitor, yeah. always has been, uh-huh. always will be. You're never going to take the fight out of the dog. And it's getting to the point where he's saying, we've got the talent where we no longer really need to rebuild very often. Mm-hmm. And they're returning so much of their talent from last year that, you know, sure, it maybe took them a little bit to get their feet under them. But, man, we saw a lot of promise from that team. Yep, they're and, just reloading at this point, yeah. Yeah, so gearing up, getting ready to go. And I think that there is a very bright future for Utah. Yeah, so we'll see. And we're going to have all summer to kind of break this down. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, the playoffs ongoing. But once the playoffs are over... We're right into football. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of fun all summer long talking about this. But, yeah, Utah, they are doing work when it comes to the transfer portal. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll round out the first hour of the show with our one of our favorite segments. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Te- I love it. Technical fouls, man. Come on. we got to, we got to put people on notice, put them on blast. We'll get to all of that coming up here in just a few minutes right here on the Saturday Show. Bob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three All-Stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It is time now for technical fouls. You guys heard in that open, and... It's our opportunity weekly to put people in the sports world and even beyond the sports world if we deem it necessary, put them on notice, put them on blast, and let them know that they have been doing something wrong. That's the easiest way to put it. All right, Lundy, fire away. You you get first dibs today. All right. We're going to Major League Baseball for mine. Uh, Tony LaRussa, manager for the Chicago White Sox. I'm sure you already know where I'm going with this. Mr. 75-year-old get-off-my-lawn guy? Exactly. And it was a very much get-off-my-lawn today, or you know, this week, I should say. So they're up big Mm -hmm. against the Minnesota Twins. Yermin Mercedes comes up to the plate. They have a position player on the mound. Sure. Not a pitcher, a position player who... Like, you know, I mean, we've seen him earlier this year. You know, he went viral for, he had seven pitches in an inning. Mm-hmm. Most of them were ground outs, but like they were all, I think the fastest one of them was like, what, 61 miles per hour? Or He's something. a position player, and we see it on Twitter that they ha- literally have a thread for position players pitching. I think it's cut four on, <laughs> on Twitter that does it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this pitcher throws three consecutive balls. Okay. And then puts a 47 mile per hour pitch right over the plate. That Yermin Mercedes cranks out of the ballpark, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's not easy to. The, the slower the pitch, the more power you've got to put in there. Yes. And he put it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, Tony Larusa, after the game, was very upset about that. Um, you know, how dare we have fun in Major League Baseball? And, you know, mentioned there will be consequences, things like that. Even though Yermin Mercedes. Spent ten years in the minor leagues. Yeah, he's he's gonna take his chance when he gets it. You know, yeah. he's he's earned every single thing he gets in the major leagues. He's got to put up. He's on a rookie contract. Yeah. Um, then 
The next game, Tyler Duffy for the Twins throws behind your Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And Tony LaRusse's response to that, I don't have a problem with it. Well, so, guess who did have a problem with it? Yeah. Major League Baseball, because they suspended Tyler Duffy for three games. So technical foul Tony LaRusse for taking your opponent's side, yes. not backing up your players, uh-huh. and saying, well, we, we don't want our players to compete. You know, the unwritten rules of the game, yeah. guys. So, you know, it's. I mean, it, it's always been my belief: if you don't want your opponents to dance, keep them out of the end zone, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not his job, yeah, to take a forty-seven mile per hour strike. He's a batter; his job is to bat. Yeah, the person whose job it is to prevent home runs is the guy on the mound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole deal, and it's been it's been an ongoing thing all week long because. LaRusso is coming under a lot of fire for backing an opposing player slash team rather than backing up his own players. He's old school. Yeah. Very, very clear, but he's in the wrong here, isn't he? 100%. And, you know, this isn't the first time that Tony LaRusso has showed that he's old school. I mean, against my Reds, he lost in overtime or in extra innings, um, one to zero, because mm-hmm. he didn't understand the new rule. Correct. Yeah. He, he didn't know that. You and know, he, he admitted it. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, in the. In the post-game press conference, when asked about it, and somebody clarified, they said, well, this is what the rule says. He said, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> Jeez, dude. I, okay, I get what uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the White Sox and the Chicago Bulls, he regrets because uh, he, he fired uh, LaRusso earlier on in his career with the White Sox. And if you read the stories, the backstory, Reinsdorf has always regretted that firing. And he brought him back here and... LaRusso had been out of the game. What he hadn't managed in, I think, three or four years, if I if I'm not mistaken, and he's now back in the game. Reinsdorf ain't ain't cutting his guy, even though, man, I he probably should. There needs to be a discussion there. Yeah. So, all right, but yeah, technical foul, absolutely on Tony LaRusso. All right, I got one here. We're gonna talk about soccer here in a little bit, but this one I think absolutely fits in this particular segment. Is that the Metropolitan Police over in England have arrested eight men following an investigation into a torrent of online racial abuse aimed at an unnamed Tottenham Hotspur player recently after a match against uh, it was a three-one home defeat to Manchester United on April 11th. Eight people arrested, four others interviewed under caution as part of the police's nationwide action on suspicion of using words or behavior or displaying written material with intent to stir up racial hatred. This has been an ongoing issue in the sports world at large, but particularly in the global sport of soccer. You you can see it, and it doesn't take much to find it. Trust me, you can do a quick Google search or just on Twitter, you can search, you can find it. I'm actually okay with Metropolitan Police trying to put their foot down. We saw, I don't know if you saw this, Lundy, just, I think it was two weeks ago, the Premier League, as a league, did a social media blackout for a weekend when they had matches going on to speak out against the online abuse that players, uh, officials, everybody involved have been taking. I think it sent a message, and I think it sends an even stronger message that what you say online, you will be held accountable for it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, in full agreement with you, technical foul on racism anywhere, anytime, sure. always. Like that's that's you know that's a technical foul, immediate ejection. Yeah, they just they then said, "quote With the busy summer of football approaching, because the Euros twenty twenty are this year over there in, in Europe, we are committed to driving out this type of racist behavior. It has no place in football." That comes from Detective Sergeant Matt Simpson from the Met from the Metropolitan Police's Public Order Crime Team. So. 
this technical foul on all these individuals, and I, I'm I'm sad to say these eight they get they get caught, but there are thousands more out there who need to be held accountable for the things they say because there's a lot of keyboard warriors, and I'm not mm-hmm. even talking just about racism. I'm just talking about people who anonymous behind a keyboard all of a sudden become real big tough guys or tough women, I guess, online. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, you said it perfectly. That it's, it's a problem with, you know, a lot of sports fans. And, uh, you know, so those of you listening that are not those keyboard warriors, you know, Big ups to you. Yes. And, Feel free to uh, reach out. We love, we love interacting with you guys. Yeah. Just, you know, keep it civil. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and we're, we're you know, at least I, I think that we're both open to constructive criticism. Sure. But, uh, you know, you, you call us some names. There's that, a, there's a line. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to issue some technical files to you if you come at us the wrong way. <laughs> we will do that. All right. We are over time here in this first hour. Uh, coming up next, though, you're going to hear from Donovan Mitchell. Spoke to the media earlier this week about, what we expect to be his return tomorrow night to the lineup for the Utah Jazz. And then coming up a little bit later on, we're going to get to a segment we're going to call Five Minutes Of, and we'll explain more about that. That's all coming up on the Saturday show. Hour two of the Saturday show underway here on the Zone Sports Network, 97.5 FM, 1280 AM. Thanks for taking some time to join us on this Saturday afternoon. That's Lundy. I'm Yawk. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support of the show. Our second week uh, together, we are back, and it is a blast to be here. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, You can follow Lundy on Twitter at 247Lundy. You can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. Of course, you can follow the station at Zone Sports Net. And as we mentioned earlier on, in the show. If you guys want to interact, we love interaction. Also, feel free to use that open mic feature on the Zone app. It allows you to record 15 seconds of audio, you ship it off to us, and we will play them on air. We love your guys' takes. Yeah, like, come join us. I mean, we, yeah. you know, we like you said, Yuck, we love the interaction, you know, come be part of the show. We're two dudes who we get to talk sports. We're lucky enough that we're the mouthpieces here, but we want you guys to have your voice heard as well. So yeah. feel free to be part of it. This is a conversation. We want yeah. to include people in the conversation. We're not lecturing or, you know, presenting. <laughs> we may lecture at some point. But... I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> we probably could. I, I think that, I don't know that I'd be the the best kind of like a college professor lecture. <laughs> okay. It would probably devolve into some form of chaos. Fair but... enough. Hey, hey, you know, we could try that at some point, right? This, is it the Socratic method or something like that? Yeah, I mean. I, it's been a while since I've been in college. I guarantee it's going to, you know, it'd be kind of like the uh, Pat Oswalt uh, filibuster yes. on Parks and Rec. Yes, yes, yes. You yes, know, yes. That, that would be, if, I, if, if ever given that platform, if you ever give me that green light, I promise you it's going to get weird. We may need to do this at some point, like, you know, middle of July when we're just like, you know, let's kill a segment. Lundy, go. <laughs> Just dive deep into Lord of the Rings lore and just you know hey. see how many people stay tuned in. It um, won't be many. That would be fun. All right. Well, let's get back to the topic at hand. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are here. It's been a long week waiting for the Utah Jazz to get back into action. And the wait, we're just over 24 hours away. The Utah Jazz will be in action here in this here building, Vivint Arena. 13,000 fans will be here cheering on the Utah Jazz as they open the playoffs. I'm excited for it. And the best part about it, it appears that Donovan Mitchell's return to the lineup is imminent. Oh man, it's I am so excited just to to feel that environment, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the six and a half thousand fans when they were here. Sure. 
What was it? Okay, it started with what? We had 4,000? No. I think, I think it was like three something. 35, I think. Yeah, it? Okay. something like that. Then it went to five. Then it went to five, and then it went to like six and a half. Mm-hmm. And now we're doubling that to We're going 13. to 13, baby. And man, I mean, you know, obviously the six and a half, it, it wasn't the same as it was before. Sure. But, I mean, after however long of just nothing, <laughs> man, it felt good. And yeah. this is going to be... This is going to be something else. I am so excited for this to to start coming back and just to feel to feel right again. Yeah, oh, that's that's normal. I know yes. we're talking about the quote unquote new normal and whatnot. You know what? As the vaccination rates have gone up, all this different stuff going on with COVID nineteen, I am feeling like things are going back to what we had. In 2019, uh, going back to March of 2020, I, I'm feeling like we're getting back to that, and I couldn't be more excited. Mm-hmm. It, it's been a long year, and I and I mean long year. I think anybody out there listening to this can agree in so many different ways. Our lives were just really upended by COVID-19, but man, is it going to be great to have 13,000 crazy fans going nuts as the Utah Jazz take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. So to all of you fans that are that are coming to the games that are watching from home, first and foremost, thank you. Sure. And yeah. you know, I think that the players are going to share that sentiment. Oh yeah. And so Donovan Mitchell when he comes back, he's he's going to be hungry because he's been sitting for the past several weeks. He's a competitor, he wants to play. And then I think he's going to fuel himself on that new energy that that fills the arena. Um, I mean, he's he's mentioned in the past that he loves the fan interaction and things like that. And so I think we're going to see Donovan, you know, reintroduce himself to the scene after this time off. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. But why don't we let the folks hear from Donovan himself? He spoke to the media earlier this week, and I took it as a good sign that he was on his way back. They announced he'd practiced fully for the first time since injuring that ankle. You'll hear from him about how the ankle feels, what he expected getting back into practice for the first time, because it's been, what, a month since he really has been with the guys doing a full practice. They haven't had a lot of practice time this season to begin with, but it's been a a minute for him. Let's go to it. Let's hear we go. Donovan Mitchell speaking to the media, talking about his impending return to the Utah Jazz lineup right here on the Zone Sports Network. Hey, Donovan, uh, how was was practice today? Uh, How did you feel? Um, more importantly, where's your wind at and, uh, how's, how does the ankle feel for you? Um, practice was good. You know, I got out there, competed. Um, it's definitely, you could tell it's been the first time in, what has it been four or five weeks, but you know, that's to be expected, you know, just trying to find ways to get back in, get back in the groove, get back in, you know, full shape, you know, uh, I feel like I'm getting there. Um, and you know, things are progressing well. Um, can't complain, and you know the guys. We all look, we all look good and determined and ready to go. So, um, can't complain. All right. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Don, can you kind of take us through the recovery process? Kind of, you know, when you first started feeling like you were on a path to maybe getting back to returning to action again. Um. Yeah. It uh, definitely was. Uh, a uh, tough process uh, just for, for me, I haven't been out this long since my 10th grade year in high school. Um, so it's definitely, you, you, you kind of, you know, it's a, it's a mental game as much as a physical one too. Um, you know, and I would say, you know, 
things started progressing well. To be honest with you, I've, I've lost track of days. <laughs> um, and honestly, I barely know what today is. Uh, but I feel like, you know, kind of been progressing well for like the past two weeks, I want to say. Uh, no, I mean, you're going to quote me on that, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but um, I feel like that's, you know, things started to go in the right way and projecting well. And, you know, I, as a whole, you know, I think just just continuing to take my time and continue to go about the right way, I think is the biggest thing. Uh, it wasn't some an injury wasn't something to play with. Um, wasn't as minor as it was, you know, made out to be. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, I definitely had some some hurdles to climb. And we think we did a good job and just continuing to progress. All right, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, are are you expecting that you'll be ready to go for game one? That's the goal. Um, barring any setbacks, Scott, God forbid, knock on wood, but uh, that's the goal. Um, and just trying to go out there and just be there for my teammates and try and help to, to go out there and, and win the championship. You know, I think that's the goal. It's been the goal all year. And, you know, but, you know, God forbid anything happens. I think that's the goal for me. That's the goal for everybody here and to be ready for game one. Ryan Miller, KSL. Donovan, you mentioned that you haven't been out for a while since what, your 10th grade year. Um, what did you learn kind of just having to sit out and watch? Um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I think being able to see where, you know, obviously we saw Boyan, you know, step up huge for me and Mike were out. Um, George was a, was a big piece, Trent, you know, and being able to kind of sit on the sidelines and, and kind of coach in a sense allows you to also teach yourself, you know, cause you're kind of staying engaged and staying in the flow. Um, and I think we saw a lot of you know, guys stepping up, you know, similar to the bubble, you know, when guys kind of stepped up into, into different roles, you saw the same thing, um, you know, when myself and Mike were out, uh, I think that'll hopefully carry over into the playoffs. I think it will guys stepping up into their roles, expect having a uh, much more confidence, you know, in certain areas and different areas of every person's game. Um, and I think, you know, we can, we're a team that can compete with anybody. if not be anybody in the league. And we're going to go out there and try and prove that every night. Um, and just play the way we've been playing, you know, and I, my goal is to come back and just continue to, to go out there and do what I do and do what we do as a team. Uh, ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Did you notice anything differently about the ankle today? What's it like to get back out on it? Um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely sore, you know, when you haven't played in what, five weeks um, for sure. But, you know, thankfully no pain, you know, so that's, that's the, that's the good part. But for me, it's just trying to stack these days on top of each other. Cause it's not like you just play once and then take four days off and then play again. You know, this is going to, these games are going to start coming uh, quickly. So we got to be ready for that. The intensity is going to pick up, you know, it's not going to be a practice. It's going to be, you know, game one of the playoffs of so being ready for that. And, you know, I think that's really it for me, just understanding how I'm going to go out there, integrate myself uh, back into the, back into the lineup and, you know, I just go out there and just try and do everything I can. Dana Green, ABC4. Donovan, kind of following up on Ryan's uh, question, do you think the team made some progression without you and Mike, but you were out a little bit longer? I mean, they went 10 and six. That's pretty good against some, some good competition yeah. there. Do you think the team did progress without you out there? Yeah, for sure. I think we saw things, one, on the positive side, I think we saw a lot of things that we're, we are, we're really good at, you know, what we can really, how we can beat teams, how we can go out there and play the way we play. And then as far as things where we have weaknesses in, we saw that as well. And I think guys have worked their tails off to, to, to fix those weaknesses like quickly, you know, and you saw it throughout the process. You know, we had two tough losses in Minnesota, then we turned around and have a great game against uh, 
Oh, it was a week, a few weeks later, but Denver, you know, it was a huge win uh, that stands out. Like for me, it's like, okay, we're correcting things on the fly. We're doing things. Cause that's all the playoffs are going to be is being able to make adjustments good and bad uh, throughout the entire playoffs. And I think every week, everybody held it down, you know, doing, doing their jobs and, and their, and their levels rose uh, tremendously. Um, and I think we found something in Trent Forrest um, that is, that is huge as well. And I want to give him his, his props too. He just looks so composed and, you know, steady, you know, throughout the entire time. And, you know, I think that's something that we've, we found and just going to continue to go out there as a team and as a group to go out there and just try to adjust. Cause that's all that's going to happen for the next, hopefully two or three months is just adjustments and, and going from there. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quick ones, just uh, for game one, are you expecting to be at 100%, you know, again, barring any setbacks and, and you know, playing your usual allotment of minutes? Um, honestly, I haven't had that conversation as far as allotment of minutes. Um, I would like to think so. I don't know. Um, and either way, what's, it's what's best interest, not just for the team, but for myself, because I don't want to go out there and, you know, go out there full bore and then hurt it again. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it is the playoffs and you got to go out there and you got to compete and got to be ready. And I think my teammates understand that. My coaches understand that. I understand that. Uh, but just going out there and just doing, doing what I can, you know, I think the biggest thing is trying to see how I respond after practice today, next practice. And then when you get to game one, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, go time. Um, so I wouldn't, I haven't had that conversation to give you say, yeah, I'm ready to play 48. I mean, I feel like I'm ready to play 48, but at the end of the day, you got to be smart as well. Uh, because you can go out there and, and re-injure it as well. We saw that happen with, um, a few guys can go out there and, and re-injure yourself and you don't want that either. Cause then you're out for an extended period of time as well. And, and then I wanted to ask kind of about the original incident that, that caused the ankle sprain. Was that something that you, I mean, how did you see that unfold? And was that something that you were frustrated by? And to be honest, and I feel like a long time ago, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me, like, you know, he, he, he came to me um, and, and, you know, he expressed uh, that he didn't feel that he didn't want to, uh, he didn't mean to do that. You know, as far as whether it's intentional, I can't speak on that. I don't, I'm not him. I don't know. Um, I'm not frustrated. And I think everything happens, you know, in life for a reason. I'm one of those people, you know, I think this allowed me to grow in certain instances, allowed me to learn and allowed guys on our team to grow as well. You know, if we want to be who we want to be guys like Boyan stepped up, you know, huge time, huge, you know, come playoff time. He's going to be a guy. We kind of keep riding the wave and, and George has been huge. Like guys, confidence levels rose, you know, with my absence as well, which is think is huge. You know, we, like I said, so I think for me, it's just like, look, it happened. You can control what you can control. Uh, all I can control is how I get back, how I get back in shape and how I go out there and, and be the best player that I can be for my teammates um, and go from there. Uh, we have a question from Bowler. Hey, thanks. Hey, Don, how are you? Hey, Bowler. Hey, buddy. I was uh, well, just curious if you can for us uh, reflect a bit from the days of OKC to the bubble, to the plane trip to Memphis, to your injury and a 52-win season. Um, I guess while you were injured, you had time to kind of think about all those things that have made this team who they are. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've come a long way. I think, you know, the thing that reminds me, um, thing that kind of hits home for me is the, the, the locker room after the loss of game seven, the bus getting on the bus, you know, and I told everybody, I said, remember this feeling, um, remember, you know, everything, you know, I remember how you feel. And then when you get tired, understand that we were tired in game seven, understand that you need, if you're at five reps, we need seven. If you're at seven, we need 10, you know, understanding that that's going to be the next level mentality. And we got to go out there and do it all over again. 
for these playoffs, understanding that every, every little thing we do in the off season, you know, is coming to fruition right now. Um, I think that's, that's something that we've all, we've all understood, you know, we've come a long way as a group and I'm, I'm really proud of how we've continued to compete. You know, we've been through a bunch of different things. Um, the plane being, you know, one of the most recent ones. Um, but you know, like we've been through a bunch of this group and I think it's brought us closer together as a group. Um, and you gotta go out there and compete, you know, nothing's going to be given to us at the end of the day, we have the X on our backs. Um, teams are going to come out hungry for us. No one really expects us to do much. And I think that kind of feeds our fire and we just gotta go out there and, and just go out and do what we do and try to become champions. There you go, Donovan Mitchell. And if you missed any of that uh, conversation, you can go to our website, 1280thezone.com. We post all that audio up there. You also can follow the Utah Jazz feed on your podcast provider of choice. I know Lundy does a good job updating it uh, with the post-game shows and all that stuff. Is it the Jazz radio feed that you update, or do you do both of them? Uh, it's the Zone Jazz yeah, feed. Yeah. Zone, zone, zone Jazz feed. So search, search out the Zone Sports Network dash Utah Jazz, and you'll find it. Literally anything and everything that has relation to the Utah Jazz from any of the shows, DJ and PK in the morning, Hans and Scotty G, the big show, anything with Utah Jazz radio, it all goes into that feed. You can hear everything and guests, analysis, all of it. It's all right there for you guys. So check that out. Lundy, uh, before we get to break here, Give me some of your thoughts on this series against Memphis. Obviously, they they won last night at Golden State. They're going to be motivated coming in here. I think that to use the quote, I I think their their uh, hearts will be willing. I'm trying to say it. <laughs> their the bodies aren't going to hold up. I'm murdering this analogy, but I just don't feel like they're going to have their legs in this game tomorrow night, at least. No, I I completely agree. And you know the Jazz are going to come out. I think that this is going to be. The Jazz punching Memphis in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, I said it earlier, I think it's going to create kind of a false sense of security within the fan base because watching it, it's going to look like the Jazz are going to, going to run away with this series. I think it's mostly due to the fact that, uh, that Memphis is so tired and that they're playing at elevation after, you know, a very physical and emotionally draining game. Uh, I think that Memphis will make it very physical and tough in the games after that. Uh, but it's going to be a great first start to the, to the, the this series. And I think the Jazz are going to make a lot of people in this state really happy. That's the thing about this. This this time of year in Utah, they're, the weather's getting good, obviously. You can see that. You, it, the weather's getting warmer. But the Utah Jazz, this is when they traditionally have just, it's playoff time. Mm-hmm. And this whole state buys in. I, like, I always like to talk about my mom. My mom, she's a, I say, very casual sports fan. She knows kind of when things are going on, football season in the fall, Utah Jazz kind of during the winter. But there are a few times in my life, because she knows what I, obviously I, I work in sports radio, but she'll hit me up this time of year and say, okay, what are the Jazz looking like on all this stuff? That I think that screams to what the Utah Jazz mean to this community. There are very casual sports fans, but when it comes to the playoffs, all of a sudden it just it goes up another level. Like we talked about earlier, the, the players take it to the next level. Well, the fans at the same time, there's a new interest. There's, a I guess, a renewed interest from the fan base that maybe has kind of just been sitting along, okay, they've been doing pretty good, but they haven't been the diehards like you and I are. Where we're covering it game in and game out. But they realize, okay, 
this is where it really gets good. Yeah. You know, you might say that the the casual fans start to take note around this time of year. There you go. I like it. Well done, sir. Nice branding. Well done. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to get to a new segment here on the show. We're calling it Five Minutes Of, and it's a playoff of the old Saturday show. We'll explain more here in a moment. This is the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. Lob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Yawk and Lundy along for the ride with you guys. Uh, Lundy, we're going to talk about five minutes of, and this is a segment that has its genesis in the old, or I guess the previous version of the Saturday show. When I hosted it with Adrian Lizer, uh, what now over a year since we last did that. It's crazy to think how the last year, I had to mention this last segment, the last year has really been one that's been trying for a lot of people. It just felt like it was a decade almost in some, in some ways. But when we did the show before, of course, I am a soccer aficionado. I like to watch Real Salt Lake and whatnot. So he called it five minutes of soccer. And I figured, you know what? Lundy's got an interest in hockey, and you, you, you know more about the puck game on ice than I will ever know about. And my team hasn't started playing yet. As I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm all in with the Seattle Kraken. So I decided, you know what? We're going to call it five minutes of... And what that means is it's going to be five minutes of a few different topics here as we kind of round out things on a Saturday. So let's start off with hockey. Where are we going? Awesome. Well, we're going to start locally. The Utah Grizzlies last night uh, beat the Allen Americans four to one, you know, which is great. They're sure. The Grizzlies are currently fourth in the Western Conference behind the Allen Americans. OK, uh, they play Allen again tonight at seven ten. Uh, it's a home game. So, you know, if you looking for something to do on a Saturday night, you know, go check out the home 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 team on the uh, on the ice out in West Valley. The Grizzlies have done a good job the last couple of years. They've been a very good team. That's one thing I think if you want fan interest, you have a competitive team. And there were times that the Grizzlies have been not competitive. Last little while, though, they've been a fairly competitive squad. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the NHL, there, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs are in full swing now. I know when we had talked last week, we had we had one weird, game. There was there was the first game of the playoffs, but also a regular season game that sure. same day. Okay, the regular season continued till Wednesday, <laughs> even though there were playoff series going on. Um, but you know, now everybody's fully into the playoffs. So the postseason's season. fully underway. Finally. Yes. Okay. And it has been awesome. You know, if if you're listening, if you enjoy hockey but haven't experienced playoff hockey, this is something. This you know, I mean. It is otherworldly. Uh, so far, since last Saturday, there have been eight overtime games. Okay. And I believe two of them have gone to double overtime, um, which overtime in the NHL is sudden death. So, you know. Like if a they, golden goal kind of situation? Yeah, okay. Yep. So, you know, overtime can go the full 20 minutes or more, you know, which sure. leads to a second overtime. It can go 30 seconds. Jeez, you never know. Okay. You know, as soon as as soon as the puck goes in the net, uh-huh. it's done. It's over. There have been eight 
overtime games. Um, so, you know, it's it is just pedal to the metal. We are getting a lot of entertaining things um, and up, some updates on some series of relevance. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are up two to one in the series against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, game four is tonight at six o'clock. Okay. So you know, Vegas being pretty close, you know, yeah. in proximity, people are interested in that. Also, the Colorado Avalanche. I know our guy Eric here at the, at the station, Austin Horton as well. Apparently, I did not know oh, this. I, he's been tweeting out this week that he's an Avalanche fan. I did I had no clue. Me neither. So um, Eric Jensen, obviously, yeah. yeah. And Eric was at a game last week. You know, he, he was just barely out there uh, to to watch the Avs play. Uh, they lead the St. St. Louis Blues three to zero. Oh, so they're so, looking for the knockout yeah, punch. And the, the 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 sweep could be completed. Uh, the game starts. Puck drop is tomorrow at three. Okay. And then uh, my Oilers, they they are struggling. I was going to ask you uh, how, how are the Oilers? They doing? are not 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 looking great right now. They're down two to zero to the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. Um, they have in those two games which last night's went to overtime. Okay. So there's been six periods and an overtime. Fair. They have one goal. Especially with like guys like Connor McDavid who we talked about last yeah. week. One of the best players, if not the best player in the NHL right now. Connor McDavid good. is clearly clear like far and away the best player offensively in the NHL. He's the only player this season with over 100 points. Okay. Which points in the NHL um, goals and assists. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so he has the most. He's over a hundred. The next highest, Leon Draisaitl, also with the Oilers, who has seventy. And they only have one goal. And they only have one goal in those two playoff games. Yikes! So the top two producing players offensively, and the Oilers can't get on the scoreboard. Jeez. So it's 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 a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Um, but yeah, if you want to. Uh, you know, experience my misery. Game three is tomorrow at five thirty, so that that can be kind of maybe a warm up pre appetizer before the Jazz. I'll put it this way: I am not a huge hockey fan. It's just not a sport I grew up watching a lot of. But I don't care who you are. If you're a sports fan in any sense of the word, playoff hockey it'll suck you in. It's something else. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the NBA playoffs. Like just lay fans, like fans who aren't casual fans. All of a sudden, they're like, "What is this? This is awesome!" Like, because these guys are going for it. They're they're obviously like they're going for that Stanley Cup. We've all seen the Stanley Cup uh, trophy celebration when whoever wins it. I think anybody who watches this can can get into this. Honestly, mm-hmm. all right, on to five minutes of soccer. All right, let's talk about it. Uh, Real Salt Lake will be in action tonight. They are headed to FC Dallas, headed to Frisco, Texas. This is going to be interesting for Real Salt Lake because last week we talked about the fact that they were facing off against Nashville and Lundy. I don't know how much soccer you actually watch or if you watch that match. Anybody who watched that match probably would never come back and watch another soccer match ever. It was uh, snoozeworthy is probably the word to use. A 0-0 draw, nil-nil draw, and it did not feature... Anything I felt like that would make a soccer or a person who's investigating soccer for the first time just checking it out would be like, this is what people like watching. No, that's not what soccer fans are talking about. Yeah. You know, and to answer your question, you know, as to how much soccer I watch, Mm -hmm. usually it's, you know, every month, month and a half when I decide to restart Ted Lasso. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. That's that's about as deep as I get into it. Um, And then on top of that, every four years when the World Cup happens. Sure. You know. Men's and women's World Cup, big yeah. fan of those. But uh, that's you know, it, it's not something that you know. It's kind of like you with hockey, where it's yeah. I just don't know a lot about the game. Yeah, and see, the thing is that with hockey, I have 
kind of made it a vow when Seattle uh, starts up next year, the Seattle Kraken, they're going to be the 32nd team in the NHL. I figured, okay, new team. I couldn't, for whatever reason, the Vegas Golden Knights just not didn't vibe with me. But when the Seattle Kraken announced it, I'm like, okay, that's my squad right there. So next year, we'll be able to talk more about it because I'll be paying a little more attention, I feel like. But I, I, I completely understand what you're talking about. There are sports that we're all fans of. But it's just, you have to kind of do what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to this. I think Real Salt Lake, they want to show that they're, they can get their offense back in gear. Uh, obviously, having scored one goal in the past two matches, not good enough, especially them being home matches. You, gave, you've, you dropped three points against San Jose two weeks ago. You split the points with Nashville last week with that draw. FC Dallas traditionally has been a very, very tough place for Real Salt Lake. Also, traditionally, they've gone there in the middle of the summer when it's 105 degrees in Frisco and 100% humidity and guys wilt in the second half. Going there in mid-May, hopefully a better... Mid-May? I guess we can call it mid-May, May 22nd. But nonetheless, you want to see a better effort from Real Salt Lake tonight, have a little more offense because last week, holy smokes, I was dozing off at points during that match. So there you go. Some thoughts on soccer. And now, our final topic today, five minutes of... BYU football. And what I mean by this is yesterday announcement coming out, Kalani Satake was in a short video clip posted on social media announcing that Lavelle Edwards Stadium is going to be at full capacity this fall as the plan from BYU. And I got to say, after having watched a lot of football last year with literally tens, if that many fans in the stands, I cannot wait to see fans just packing stadiums. Man, it's it's going to be raucous. It's going to be it's. I mean, like we we talked about it with the Jazz mm-hmm. last segment. It's just going to feel right. It's go, getting back to normal. And man, it was such good news yeah. to hear. You know, Lavelle Edwards Stadium full capacity. I expect that both Utah and Utah State will follow suit sure, in, and in the near future. That's And they the, the difference between BYU making this announcement now versus Utah and Utah State is Utah and Utah State also do it in conjunction with the conferences that they are members of. BYU, and for better or worse, you, that's another topic for another day, they're an independent <laughs> program. They, they determine what they're going to do. And they have obviously checked off with the Utah County Health Department, the State Health Department, all this stuff. And they, have, they put in here, BYU will continue to follow the guidance of university and state health officials to ensure a safe environment as it opens its home slate. It says plans for a full stadium capacity will continue to be contingent on COVID-19 cases staying at a low rate and will also be influenced by vaccination rates. With these very variables, plans are subject to change. But I got a big round of applause for them saying, you know what, it is our intention to have 60, is it 63,000 and change now at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? It's our intention to have everybody who wants to be there can get there and watch the games. Yeah, it's it's just great news, you know, and obviously we've all got to do our part to make sure that sure. we get there. Uh, but man, it's it's just, it feels good to be on that road right now to where it's, Instead of saying, well, you know, because we, we, we heard a lot of this last season where it was, mm-hmm. we're probably not going to do this, but it's subject to change. Now it's, we're probably going to do this. It's still subject to change, but we are on the right trajectory. We're on the right path. And so, man, let's go. Let's get there. Yeah, so there will be a six-game slate for BYU this year. Obviously, the annual Holy War game between them and Utah is set for September 11th. That'll be BYU's first home game. So the hope is, yeah, 63,000-plus red and blue-clad fans will be packing in to the House of Lavelle built and watching that game. 
I'm with you. I'd, I'm glad to hear that kind of the mentality shifted from you, like you mentioned. We're probably not going to do this, but we could do it if things change. Now, no, it's we're doing this, and it'll take something pretty extravagant over here to force us off of this path. Mm-hmm. And that's that's very very encouraging. So, looking forward to that. Uh, tip of the cap to BYU on making that announcement. I'm also with you, Lundy. I'm expecting. By the midway point of probably June, I would expect maybe they can push it into July. They can push it as far as they really want to. I expect the University of Utah, Utah State, Weber State, Southern Utah, Dixie State, every football program in the state, I expect they will have an announcement in some form or fashion saying we are going back to full capacity. And that, if you're a sports fan, any of you who happened to attend a football game last year, I attended all of BYU's home games last year, if I, if I recall correctly, I got to say, it is a very eerie and weird feeling to be in this just massive facility and be able to literally individually count every person sitting in the stands. They're piping in, they were piping in crowd noise, and at times it would cut out, and it just was like silent. And you can hear players like, we're sitting up in the press box at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We're two and 300 feet up in the air, removed from that field, and you could almost make out individual players yelling out on the field at points. I never want to experience that again. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't blame you. That's just, ugh, yeah. I mean, I watched all the games from home. You know, I and mean, you can still feel it, and yeah. it still just felt empty. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was better than no football at all. Sure. But man, it was weird. <laughs> weird is the is the right term for it. So, tip of the cap to Tom Homo, Kalani Satake, and the rest of the decision makers down there at BYU. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that announcement coming here shortly for the other programs in state. All right, we will wrap up this Saturday show, this edition of the Saturday show coming up next. Our parting thoughts and or shots. That's all coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home. Of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. All right, putting a bow here on the Saturday show. Lundy, Yock, it's been a fun show, Lundy. It's gone by way too quickly once again. Unbelievable. I, I told you last week when we started this, I was like, you're going to feel like it, you've been on air for like 25 minutes, all of a sudden two hours is gone. It, it feels more like it's been five minutes. It, it, it kind of like, flies it's, by. It's It's been super fun, though. I mean, it's it's been great. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with this, and we'll be doing this uh, for the foreseeable future. That's what the best part about this, and I, I'm... I was very excited when Lloyd Cole said, hey, I know you, you, you've got other things going on, but we want to bring the Saturday show back. What is your interest? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I, No hesitation whatsoever. I, I, I love talking on air. It's been a goal of mine for many, many years. Obviously, I, I'm a producer. I produce DJ and PK in the morning. Well, when you're a producer, the hope is to switch opposite sides of the glass. You've been on the, you've been on the other side of the glass. Getting on this side, it's where the fun, it's where the magic happens. It's oh man, it's just the best. I mean, you know, like it's it's one of those things that when I first started kind of looking at this career, it was like, I mean, this is what I do anyway with my time. You know, when I meet up with friends, talk like this. Mm-hmm. You know, 
why not why not see if I can do that professionally? You know, see if <laughs> if there's people that are willing to listen to my to my takes. That's the, that's the goal right there. Absolutely, and we love doing it. Like like we mentioned earlier on in the show, we're just simply a mouthpiece. We're lucky enough to do what we do for a job. Like people ask me, I'm like, you got a pretty sweet job. I'm like, yeah, I do. And I, I don't mean to sound like pompous or arrogant or no. cocky about it. It's truly a dream job. It really is. Like it just incredibly lucky to do what we do. Sure. Yeah. It's just. It, yeah. I. I'm living my dream. So yeah. I get to wake up, eat, breathe, sleep, sports, and draw a paycheck from it. Just it, It's phenomenal. But uh, as we go out the door here, Lundy, let's give our predictions for this upcoming series for the Utah Jazz. Tomorrow night, you'll be able to hear, by the way, all the action in the Utah Jazz will be right here on your home for the Utah Jazz, the Zone Sports Network. Uh, Tip-off in tomorrow night's game is set for 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Pre-game, the Jazz pre- game night pre-game show with Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe, and I'm expecting other folks. I'm sure PK will be involved at some level. Patrick Kinahan. Who knows who? Who knows who else is going to show up, Lundy? Just be ready. You're going to be pushing a lot of buttons. It feels like. T- tune in and find out. Okay. We'll. We'll. Uh, we'll you know. We'll. It'll be fun. You know, we'll, we'll just kind of keep it as a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, stay tuned for that. But let's give our predictions for this series. I know you kind of laid it out earlier on in the show. Uh, you feel like the Utah Jazz are going to have to earn this series, but you feel like it might be over a little bit earlier despite feeling like it is really pushed along. Right. I think that the Jazz take this one in five. Okay. Uh, you know, Utah Jazz in five, gentlemen sweep. Sure. I think it's going to feel like... You know, closer to a seven-game series. Okay. <clears throat> because I think that Memphis just plays that style mm-hmm. where they they push teams to their limit, and I mean that's what that that's what makes them dangerous. You know, Golden State got the the wrong side of that last night, and so I think that the Jazz game one should be pretty, you know, pretty comfortable victory. It's you know I'm not going to say like thirty or forty. I think that's within the realm of possibility. I think it's, you know, it'll probably be something more like 10, maybe 15. Okay. I can see that. And I think the rest of the series, the Jazz are really going to have to work. As we've gone along in this show, I started out thinking, okay, if the Jazz win it in six, that'd be pretty good. But you know what? We're not here to just kind of like hem and haw. Give me the Jazz in a sweep. Ooh. I'm, I, I've got this feeling that I think Donovan Mitchell, he's been chomping at the bit to get back. I think he's back tomorrow night. I think the Utah Jazz go out there and make a statement in game one and say, you know what? We ain't messing around. This is winning time. I, to use the Michael Jordan phrase. Mm-hmm. We're about business this year. And Donovan Mitchell said it last year. We are done losing in the first round. I think he wants to go out and say, there is no doubt that we are contenders. And I think a sweep over this upset-minded Memphis team, I think would send a statement to the rest of the league that Utah ain't messing around, folks, so mm-hmm. give me the Jazz straight sweep. Man, yeah, that would certainly put the rest of the league on notice. It, it would, because we've all talked about all year long how the West is going to be a dogfight, and it will be, trust me. They've, they've got, you've got to win 16 times over the next two months if you want to lift the Larry O'Brien trophy. Right. I think I've got this gut feeling all of a sudden, just talking about this with you today, Utah in four. Just pull out the brooms. Let's go. All right. Well, yeah, I mean... I think that's certainly entirely possible. I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that that's irrational. Memphis is going to fight. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I'm with you on that. But I just, I, I've got this all of a sudden, I don't know, call it, uh, it maybe just indigestion. Who knows? But, <laughs> <laughs> give me give me Utah in a sweep. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Wendy, any other thoughts from you on the way out the door here? 
Uh, it's been fun. Okay. I mean, well. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody that's tuned in. This, sure. You know, honestly, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we've had a blast. We love doing this. We'll be back next week. And I may be looking like a buffoon at that point, but we'll find out. But you know what? Stay tuned. We'll have some fun along the way, nonetheless. Stay tuned for uh, programming throughout the throughout the week on the station, obviously. DJ, DJ and PK in the morning, Hands and Scotty, the big show, all the jazz broadcasts that Alex will be a part of. Cannot wait for it, guys. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk again next week. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.